Hi guys, welcome to Talk Time with Jess and Lil. I'm Jess. And I'm Lil. And this is the first time we're back together doing this podcast um, for, what, like four months now? Yeah, something like that. It's been a while. It's been crazy. And so we really don't want to have this podcast focus on the negativity and what's been going on the last four months, but rather just um, have us speak a little bit about what God's been teaching us through all of this. Yeah, so we took a little break because... We were each kind of going through some stuff, and instead of just keeping what we learned to ourselves, we kind of wanted to share it and maybe, I don't know, help somebody else out there too. So we're just kind of going to go through some things that God has been teaching us through this quarantine weird time that we're in. Through it all. Yeah. So we're just going to see what God's been teaching us through all of this and um, just share some of the lessons that we've learned. So, Lachisa, do you want to go first? Yeah. So a big lesson that um, I've been being taught is that vulnerability is important and it's hard. It's not easy. Just the idea of opening up to someone and being um, just 100% honest and 100% um, just transparent is really difficult. But it's also a key aspect in forming relationships. I know that I've had to share a couple things with you and other people in my life that um, weren't comfortable, but I felt like after doing so, I came out um, feeling a lot better about myself, but also having more confidence in that relationship, just having, like, more strength in it. And so it really taught me that being vulnerable is just important for a strong relationship. And not just with people, with God, too. I feel like a lot of the times I'm very good about putting up a front as if God doesn't know exactly what's going on (laughs) in my life, as if he can't, like, read me, um, like, a book. He knows exactly what's going on. But that's what's really cool about God is that he doesn't um, insert himself. He allows us to open up when we're ready, and he's... Um, just really trying to participate rather than just, like, dictate, you know? Yeah. I think for me, like, I love to help others, but I don't like to seem as though I need help. And so being vulnerable is that, like, you're literally just opening yourself up, saying, like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I need help. And um, during this quarantine, it was really, really easy for me to not being open about what I'm feeling Like, I had to write it down on my calendar to have a time with you so that every week we could, like, meet up and talk about, like, whatever it is that's going on in our lives because we need somebody where we can be vulnerable with. Even if it's just one person, like, other than God, of course, like, someone here who can, like, directly just, like, speak into you or just, like, hear you out. But whatever it is, like, we need to have somebody that we're being vulnerable with. And I think one of the things that was really helpful was that VU conference. Yeah. And they were talking about the difference of being honest and being transparent and I didn't think I was doing anything wrong like I was being honest like if nobody ever asked me like Jessica like how were you last night like how are you feeling they were just like hey how's everything so I'm like good like I'm being honest like my life is great like everyone's healthy I don't have any like big huge problems like my life is quotes good you know but I wasn't being transparent and that's where I think being vulnerable comes from it's that voluntarily vulnerable like nobody has to directly ask you what's going on like what's wrong for you to just share that obviously you're not going to want to do that with everybody but like with a best friend or with a parent or a mentor or something you want to have that transparentness transparency thank you transparency (laughs) it's okay I don't study English I just speak it where We are voluntarily vulnerable where we're just like, nobody has to ask you what's going on. You just simply want to share it to be that, to like what you said, to grow those relationships. Yeah. And the thing that like by you and I being 
transparent with one another, we both learned that we were kind of going through, like, different forms of the same thing, Mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy to think that, I mean, we didn't necessarily love what we were going through, but it's so, it's, like, so like God to allow us to go through different things, um, but kind of in the same category so that we can, um, share each other's burdens, you know, and you and I have always been really close, but what I've learned is that I couldn't fake being okay forever, and, like, um, everyone's really good about putting up, like, a wall where you just say, how are you? I'm good, you know, um, but it's really just really, really easy to fake being okay until faking being okay gets really, really hard and heavy. Yeah. Then you have to kind of, like, release that and just, um, just to let go, you know? And so, yeah, I guess that's kind of been the theme of this month. It's okay to not be okay, and you can't really, like, fake being okay forever. So. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was, I guess, like, lesson number one through in the beginning of these four months for, for both of us, but I know that you also learned um, a couple of things that you shared with me, so. Oh, yeah, so the first lesson I learned during this quarantine stuff was that love, joy, and peace, they go together, so... I was just having, like, a lot of anxiety about specific things, but also just in general with COVID and everything. I was listening to Bridgetown Church's podcast, um, and Pastor John Mark Comer was talking about how love, joy, and peace, they're a package deal. And you can only have so much of one without the other ones coming along with it. So in psychology, we learn about this glass ceiling, which is like, you can't see it, but it's there. Usually they use it for um, women's promotions that, like, girls can only get promoted so much compared to men. But in this case, I think it's also really um, easy to see this in these different fruits. So you can have love and joy, but you can only have so much love and joy without peace. And that's where I was at. Like, I wanted to be happier and to love more, but... My peace level was so low that I couldn't get higher in the other two until my level of peace grew up until my level of joy and love. And once they're balanced, they can grow on forever. But you can't have one without the other. You can't be a joyful person if you don't have love and peace. You can't be a peaceful person without love and joy. You can't be a loving person without joy and peace. So... They really all go together. And like, of course, all the fruits of the Spirit are important. But this is what was really, really speaking to me. And what I really learned was that I needed to have more peace in order to have all the other areas of my life come together and to grow into more of like being more like Jesus. Yeah. And the thing about peace is that it can only come from God. And like God is love, then like God is peace and God is joy. And so it makes sense for those to go hand in hand, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's really good. I also learned a lot about God as, like, the provider and how he just, like, anticipates my needs. And I really had to, like, have him kind of, like, sit me down and tell me, hey, like, I'm anticipating your needs, you know? Like, I'm not just um, meeting your needs now. Like, I plan for them. And it's just so comforting to know that, like, the creator of the world is planning for the things I'm going to need. Like, it's just so crazy um that he just knows what I'm gonna say before I I say it and it just reminded me of um Hannah Samuel's mom in the bible how Mm -hmm. she so badly wanted a child and so um during a feast like her husband had already told her like she was his favorite you know but like that wasn't where she was lacking she was lacking like 
um, that role of motherhood. And so she just left and she didn't even tell like her husband what was wrong. She just kind of left and went to pray. And as she was praying, she called God like the God of angel armies. She knew who was fighting for her before she even presented her request to him, you know? And that's how I kind of want to be. I want to, um, instead of going to people about my problems first, I want to go to Jesus about my request first and foremost, you know, because he's out, he's the one out there anticipating my needs and fighting for me. So, um, it's just always good to be reminded that the God of angel armies is fighting for me, that he's not going to ever let me down. And so that was kind of like a really important lesson that I learned. Um, I guess the second half of quarantine is that, that God anticipates my needs. So what about you? What was the second lesson you learned? Um, the second thing I was learning was that we have God in the measure we desire him. And I know that sounds like, duh, but I don't think we really get that. Like, this whole time, like, my whole life, I had been reading the Bible, like, doing my little devos on the Bible app at night. But I had always said I was a morning person, so I don't know why I was doing it at night, because I would be tired and I wouldn't want to do it. I would just do it to say I did it. So then I decided, like, you know what, I'm going to wake up earlier and read my Bible in the morning. And that has changed my, like my Bible reading and my relationship with God, like, oh my gosh, it's insane. And it's been so, so nice having that time in the morning. And I think that just like proves this point, like me putting in that extra time with God, I have really been seeing more of God in my life. And one of those times I was reading the Bible, I was reading 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. So the story talks about Elisha and a widow. And Elisha was helping her because she didn't have any money and he was showing her a way, like you said, like God would anticipate her needs. God was going to be working in her favor. So I'm just going to read verse three real fast. It said, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. So what ended up happening was that she went through all her, like, She went to all her neighbors, collected all these jars, and the oil just kept filling. And it filled until every single one of the jars was full. And this story is so cool because the fact is that the oil only stopped because she didn't collect any more bottles. If she had collected more bottles, there would have been more oil. And that is just saying that, like, the miracle was given according to the measure of her previous faith. The effort that she put into it resulted in the amount she got out of it so as much as she gave God gave back to her and the coolest thing is that the bottles needed to be empty the bottles couldn't be filled the bottles needed to be empty because God would be filling it and I thought that was so crazy because sometimes we come to God and it's like hey I need your help but don't worry like I already got up to this much I just need you to like fix just the little top part and like Why would we want a bottle filled with a little bit of Jesus when we can get a bottle filled with all of Jesus? Like, she had him as much as she wanted him. And then Spurgeon says, It's not our emptiness, but our fullness, which can hinder our outgoings of free grace. And it's crazy because I think a lot of us think that our emptiness or what we don't have is what's not good enough for God or isn't going to be good enough for a situation. But we have to understand that for God, that's exactly what he wants. He wants us to understand because we are empty, but he wants us to understand that we are empty 
so he can come and fill us up. So, yeah, I just thought that was so cool. No, that is cool, because it reminds me of the story of when um, Jesus was at the wedding turning the water into wine, and he told the servants to fill up the jars with water. He didn't say, fill them up to the brim. He just told them to fill them up. Their faith is what caused them to fill up the bottles to the brim. And that's how um, the same thing with the widow. Like, her faith is what kept the oil flowing, you know? And so, for us, a lot of the times, we kind of do things halfway. Like, the servants could have very well just filled up the bottle halfway. The widow could have just very well not have gone to her neighbors and just collected the, the jars she had. But when we're dealing with, like, the creator of the universe, we have to not underestimate him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, we have to go collect as many jars as we can. We have to fill everything up to the brim. And, like, that includes our efforts. Like, we can't halfway a relationship with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And as far as your morning thing goes, you're the one who taught me this. Like, you're a morning person, so that's when you did it. I'm, I hate mornings, but that's when <laughs> I started doing it, too. I just started waking up a little bit earlier. Um, and this week has been, like, the first week that I've um, 100% woken up earlier and done it because I would, like you know, miss a couple of days here and there, but this week has been, like, the best week, and not because I woke up earlier, because that's never a good time for me, <laughs> but just because I got to have those 25, 30 minutes with God that, like, every single day I got something out of it, like, every single day, and it's so worth it, like, I could never emphasize how worth it it is, and how much I encourage just um, taking that time with God, and just, like, asking Him to, like, prepare your heart, and that goes into the third lesson I kind of learned um, throughout all of it, and it's the kind of the lesson of rest, you know, um, life is really uneasy, and it's not constant all the time, but I've kind of found that resting in Jesus is a way to bring heaven to earth, at least to my earth, you know, it's not going to solve all the world's problems, but having that, like, time with the Lord and just resting in Him brings heaven to my earth, to my life, and it's just a time where I get to slow down, and um, I know that one day we were in church and um, Pastor Josiah was talking about how when we worship, we just join in with heaven, you mm -hmm. know, because they're always worshiping Jesus. And so ever since I heard that, I kind of like um, apply that to my life. Like whenever I'm worshiping Jesus, whenever I'm just singing a song or just praying, like I'm just joining into heaven. I'm just like welcoming heaven on earth. And so that's just such a piece. And it's just such a way of um, taking pressure off of you, taking pressure off like the worries of life like you don't have to like um be a worker be a husband be a wife be a friend be a girlfriend you know you don't have to have those roles at that moment you're just kind of like Mary like sitting at the feet of Jesus and just receiving from him and just like resting in him um and I've also learned that Jesus's yoke is easy and I had heard that bible verse all throughout my life like um my yoke is easy you know and until I read the message version of that verse it never really registered with me. But the message version of that verse says, Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. And just that one part of the verse that says, Learn the unforced rhythm of grace, that word unforced really like stuck out to me because when I was reading the Bible at night, um, after a long day, it was forced. Yeah. You know, it's something I had to be like, okay, like another like, checking something off my list sort mm -hmm. of thing but now it's unforced and I have never like experienced like the true grace of Jesus until I started like doing that and 
I'm someone who's been, like, a quote-unquote Christian my whole life, you know? But, like, it took, like, this sort of slowing down for me to find rest and for me to learn that Jesus isn't going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting in my life if I'm resting in Him and picking, like, choosing His yoke for me, you know? It's just the enforced rhythm of grace. And so resting Jesus is really important, just having, like, that sort of time just for Him. Yeah, I've been learning about rest a lot. I think quarantine kind of forced us into rest. But the same thing with that unforced rhythm of grace, it's not a rest until we choose to rest. Yeah. So they kind of forced us into it like you can't go to school, you can't hang out with your friends, you can't even go to church, like just stay home. But that isn't even where the rest comes. I think the rest comes when we start choosing what we want to focus on and just getting rid of all those other distractions and just focusing on Jesus because once you feel that, it's like an overflowing amount of peace in your life that you wouldn't trade for anything. For sure. And a lot of that rest and peace comes from looking in the right place, which is the final lesson I've been learning. So um, at our church, we've been going through Hebrews and we've been learning about fixing our eyes on Jesus. And the preaching of like two weeks ago really, really stuck with me because I didn't even notice I was doing this, but I've been looking for things in the wrong places. And as annoying as that is with like your keys and stuff and your phone, it sucks when you're looking for acceptance or approval or hope or value in the wrong places because it's just so draining and exhausting when you keep going to the same place because you think that's where it's going to come from. But you have to understand that it's only going to come from Jesus. So Pastor Josiah was saying that to look to something means to literally take your eyes off one thing and put it on another. You can't really look at two things at once. Like you're going to be focusing more on one than another. Like if you're looking at one thing, like right now I'm looking at you, everything behind you is like a little more blurry. So that's the thing. We have to look to Jesus. And the example he gave was Peter. When Peter was um, called to walk on water, as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at his circumstances, which is, oh my gosh, I'm a man walking on water. Water shouldn't be able to hold me. That's when he fell. He fell when he started looking at his circumstances and not at Jesus. Yeah. And honestly, like when uh, he was talking about Peter sinking, it it's because Peter kind of got distracted. Like, he took his eyes off the the priority and got distracted by the waves and the wind. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of the times, for me, I look for assurance in different things. Um, and so, for Peter, Jesus was assuring him, like, hey, just step out of the boat. You know what I'm saying? But the thing about Peter is that he he took his eyes off of Jesus and he did start sinking, but we need to really see, like, where Jesus, like, met Peter when he started sinking. Like, Jesus was the one that pulled him up. And a lot of times um, in my life, I need to remember the person who pulled me up. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the times when I'm, um, I feel like I'm drowning in anxiety or worries or just, um, just the fear of the unknown, I need to remember who's there to, like, pull me up, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, that can be really easy to, look for that in the wrong places, you know, for, to look for assurance in, like, friendships and relationships and work and um, just financial stability and all that good stuff. And that's not 
bad in it of itself, but it's bad when our main like fixation point is in Jesus, you know? Yeah. And I didn't know why I was feeling like less than and not accepted or assured, like you were saying. Yeah. And then like Josiah literally said it in his preaching. He was like, you want to know why you're feeling what you're feeling? You're looking at something else. And I'm sorry for everybody else that was listening to that preaching. That was just for me. So you can just (laughs) skip that line. But he literally, like God spoke through him to me because that's exactly what I needed to hear. I didn't know. I was just, I thought it was just like a me problem. But it's because I was looking for the answer in the wrong place. I needed to look to Jesus because he was the one who was going to be able to fulfill me in the ways that a human never could. Yeah. But yeah, just this whole time, um, I'm really thankful. And I know that a lot of people don't don't consider this time a time to be thankful. But I'm really, really thankful that although I wasn't loving going through the things that I went through, I'm really grateful for the lessons that God has taught me like through it all, you know? Yeah. So yeah, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Bye! Bye.